Oh, it's working. All right. It's on. It's on. Am I on? I don't know. Are you on? Am I on? All right, no one's answering me. Can you hear me? No? Okay. All right. Oh, there it is. Oh, perfect. All right, good morning. Uh, Chris, you good? No. Okay. <laughs> this is my time. This is my time. Okay, okay. Good morning. My name is Kyle McMorrow. I am not the pastor here, uh, but God tells me that I can preach the good news. So that's what I'm here to do. And I'm here to talk today about faith. You know, there are times in my life where my faith seems so, so small. Where I look at my faith and I go, I can't do anything with that. It's almost like I'm examining my faith from the backwards end of a pair of binoculars, where it looks really far away and really small, and it looks useless. But God tells me that with a little faith, I can do much. And what we're going to talk about today is the legacy of faith that God has for us. For he says that faith is not just for our lives. But we need faith to complete the promises of those that came before us. We need faith to complete the promises that he has for us today. And we need faith that God will do it again in the future. That he will do good things in the future. So, I hold in my hand a mustard seed. Not really, because they do not sell single mustard seeds, and I don't have any use for many mustard seeds. But you believed me. Why did you believe me that I was holding a mustard seed? Because they're small. They are very small, and from your perspective, you would have no idea whether I was or not. Okay? But just for some perspective, and for my Aunt Tammy, this is a mustard seed next to a penny. Okay? Pennies are rather small. In case you don't know the size of a penny, this is a penny next to the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. So that's not a great... So, sorry, here's me holding the penny next to the Washington Monument in Washington, D.C. You can tell it's very small, and that mustard seed was even smaller. Okay? So we're looking at something very small, and what does God say about that mustard seed? He says a couple things. In Matthew 17, 20, he starts out by saying, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. With just a little faith, God's not saying, hey, I need you to have a bunch of faith. And what I'm going to argue today is that it's not faith that changes. Faith is the constant. If you have faith, you can do amazing things. But what gets in the way is doubt. What gets in the way is doubt. And we're going to go through some things that are going to show that this is true. This summer I was at a coaching conference at Utah State, and the head coach, Grayson DeBose, said this, talking about our teams and, and what we need to work on. And uh, my friend Michelle was with me, and it was, uh, it was during this where Ralph, a week earlier, had said, hey, I want you to speak in about a month. And I said, yeah, we'll see. I don't have anything to say. And he said this 
And I like started crying in this coach's clinic and I was like, oh, that's good. But what Grayson said was sometimes when we consider what tremendous consequences come from the little things, I start to think, I'm tempted to think that there are no little things. God says that the little that you have is amazing, that you can move mountains, that nothing is impossible no matter how small it is. So many times the disciples of Jesus were told that they had little faith, but they were sitting there watching Jesus do these miracles. They were watching it happen. We don't get that. He's not here right now in the flesh doing miracles, and yet they had little faith, and yet they doubted over and over and over again. Jesus says, why do you doubt? And if they doubted, we're probably going to doubt too. And so how do we adjust that? In Matthew 21, 21, he says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. I'm starting to think Jesus is something against mountains. He wants them moved. Okay? <laughs> but again, he's saying if you have faith and do not doubt, that it's, faith is not the lack of doubt. Okay? You can have faith and you can doubt. And that doubt Again, we see here in Mark eleven twenty three. truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that, they, or that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Doubt becomes the barrier between us believing and having faith that something that can be done and us actually seeing those things happening in our lives today. It's the doubt that gets in the way. You can have faith that something can be done, but when doubt seeps in, that's when we get in trouble. I can have faith that Pastor Ralph or the prayer team can heal somebody, can change their lives, that God can work through them. I can have faith that that can happen, but when God says, it's your turn, that's when I start to doubt. I have faith, yeah, that can be done, absolutely. Oh, you want me to do it? I'm not quite sure. That's where the doubt comes in, and that's where our faith is not as powerful when we start to doubt. The impact of faith does not grow through us gaining more faith. It isn't about us having more and more faith, but through us doubting less. When I look at the people in my life who have gone through, and I look at them and say, wow, they have a lot of faith. What I should be saying is, wow, they don't doubt. They don't doubt that God is faithful. They don't doubt that God can do good things. They don't doubt that God is going to do it right here, right now. They let their faith bloom. They let their faith come out, and they let God do his stuff, okay? When we doubt, we're that barrier. We say, we're not quite sure it can happen. I have faith that it can be done, but maybe not through me, or maybe not right now. In Hebrews 11, it gives us a definition of faith. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. 
It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. What I want you to do right now, I'm a teacher, so I'm going to do a teachery thing. I want you to turn to somebody near you and name two people in your life that you see as having wonderful faith or you see them as not doubting. Talk to somebody next to you. Give them two people in your life that are examples of faith. So do we all have some people that we look at as having great faith? People that you could go to and say, yeah, they can do it. They don't doubt. Right? Those are our distinguished ancestors who we set above. We have those names in our head. But what Hebrews goes on to say, actually it goes through about every person in the Bible you can think of and tells the story of their faith of what God told them to do, and then how they followed through with it. And it goes through in about 40 verses and tells us everything that was done. Okay? But then the last verse, the last couple of verses say this about all of those people, about Abraham, Noah, David, whoever you can think of. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us. That their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Abraham died before seeing his countless ancestors. Noah died before being able to tell whether God would send another flood. All of these people in the Bible had a promise that could not be completed until later. And their promise had to meet the faith of those after them to be fulfilled. So as we talk about, yes, they have great faith. Their faith is a great lesson for us. But unless we too have faith, unless we too stop doubting, their promises may not be fulfilled. God isn't saying your promises for right now. He's saying we need a legacy of faith. We need to have faith across generations because I'm ready to do amazing things. I'm ready to complete the promises. Last time I spoke, I talked about how promises are that placeholder for the blessing that's coming later. God knew Abraham wasn't going to be able to see the countless ancestors that would have faith in God, but the promise was there. The promise was there, and it is continuing. So we need to have faith in order to connect with the faith of the past, with those promises of the past. We're going to go back to the mustard seed. In a different part of Matthew, he again mentions the mustard seed. This time talking about the kingdom of God, as Kevin was mentioning earlier this service. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. 
Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, I did a little research. And the mustard tree is not really a tree at all. One article called it an invasive species. Something that, once something is planted, can take over a mountainside. And it's thick and strong and connected and interwoven with each other to create this strong thicket where birds come for safety. Now, again, our faith is not just personal. Our faith needs to be connected with those around us to form a mustard bush. These can grow up to 15 feet high, take over a mountainside. And that's the vision for the kingdom, but it's not a single plant. Okay? If there's a single plant, there's no room for the birds. They don't want to come. They're not safe. They're not comfortable. But when we join together, when we take over, when our faith is shown and our faith grows together... That's where we create a safe space. That's where people can see our faith in the little things. That's where people look at us. Maybe a coworker comes to you and says, hey, can you pray for my husband? He's looking for a job. And maybe there's just an ounce of sincerity in their voice. Maybe they're half mocking, which has happened before. But they know what you believe in. And in times, they're the bird that comes in and needs the safety. They need the shelter. And we might not see the promise. We might not see them come to Christ, come to the faith in that moment. But we planted a seed. Our worship leader this week wrote a blog about trusting your seed. Believing that when you plant it, it's going to grow. Believing that people see your little faith in everything you do. If I have faith to move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. This is what Corinthians uh, said to the Corinthians in 13.2. Again, it's not just about us. Our faith is there to help us connect. Our faith is there to say, hey, look what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And when people need it, they can come and sit in that shelter. We need to grow in our faith together and use our faith to show God's love. I'm going to tell a story about a man in the 1930s by the name of Desmond Doss. If you saw the film Hacksaw Ridge, you'll know this name. Uh, It's a war film that came out just a couple of years ago. It's really violent, but there's some really good stuff in it. So if you can handle it, go watch it. Um, But uh, Desmond Doss was was in, uh, in Alabama in the 1930s. And through different circumstances in his life, he decided that he was going to follow one commandment with all. And that commandment was, thou shalt not kill. 
When he was younger, he had accidentally, I believe, almost killed his brother when they were playing, hit his head on a rock, and almost killed his brother. Later in life, he was a young teenager, and his father, who was abusive, was beating his mother, and he came at his father with a gun and pointed at him and almost shot and realized what his actions could have done. And he swore at that moment that he would not kill and that he would never touch a weapon again. Things then got complicated in the next 15 years as World War II started in the mid-1940s. And as a young man in Alabama, everyone was going to war. And he decided he wanted to help too. But he wasn't going to carry a weapon, and he would not kill. And so as he goes through training, he flunks out of training because he will not take the shots at a target to show that he can carry a weapon. He fights it. And they say, all right. As a conscientious objector, we've got some jobs for you. You can work in the kitchen. You can do administrative stuff. You can be a mechanic. He says, no. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be on the front lines, which seems courageous, but to the fellow members of his company, he was a coward. He was a coward who said, yeah, I'm not willing to do that. You know what? I'm going to go into battle with you guys, but if you get in a tricky situation, I'm not going to have a gun. They called him a waste of space. They didn't want him to come with them. He couldn't do anything for them. But he was their medic. So they go to this place. This is called Hacksaw Ridge. There's this area in Japan, and it's a steep cliff. They would actually have to climb netting to get to the top. The entire, uh, the entire troop would have to climb netting to get to the top, and at the top was the enemy at the time. Thousands of Japanese soldiers, but they were told they had to take over this area of land. And in one of the bloodiest battles in the Pacific, hundreds of men on both sides died. Many were injured, and Desmond was there trying to help the best he could without a weapon without a gun, without a knife, without anything, with just what was on his back, his backpack. And as night fell, he was stuck up there. After one of the bloodiest battles in history, and he was trying to help different soldiers, and he came to his commander, I believe it was his captain, and he said, and he noticed that I believe his leg was gone. He said, I can't help you here. I don't have anything to help you here. And so what did he do? He grabbed his captain, who didn't want him to be there, who didn't trust him, but he grabbed him by the collar, and he pulled him. And he tied him to a rope, and he lowered him down the ridge. And without a gun on his back, without any help, he goes back. And he finds more soldiers who have been injured who can't move, who can't help themselves. And he grabs it, and he pulls him, one at a time. And every time, and you know what? I believe that Desmond Doss had a little bit of faith. Why do I believe that he had only a little bit of faith? Because he didn't look at the situation and say, hey, God, help me save all of these guys. 
one at a time. He would grab them by the collar and pull them however long, lower them down, and then he'd say this prayer, Lord, help me get one more. And he would go back searching for an injured soldier and grab him and pull him and lower him. God, Lord, help me get one more. And he would go and he would go and he would go. And Desmond Doss that night was credited with saving 75 of his fellow soldiers in one night. Now, do you think they felt the same way about him after that? Do you think they cared whether he carried a gun or not? Not at all. In fact... In the film, there's a wonderful moment, and the both times I saw it, I started sobbing in the movie theater. I'm not one to cry, so uh, those of you that know me know that's not true, okay? Um, but there's this scene, I'm not going to show you the scene because there's some mild language in there, but his captain comes up to him and says, thank you. And he says, uh, he says, we have to go up again. I know tomorrow's your Sabbath but we need you to come with us. Desmond Doss says, why? Why me? And his captain says these words. Most of these men don't believe the same way you do, but they believe so much in how much you believe. How many people in your life do not believe the same way you do and how many of them can you convince how much you believe? So when they need that moment of shelter, when they need that moment to be the bird in the mustard bush, that you can say, we're here. And every battle after that, they would wait for Private Doss to pray before they would move up. Many of his men did not pray with him. Oftentimes he'd pray by himself. They didn't believe the same way, but they believed in what he believed. And that's what our light needs to be, is to say, whether you believe or not, I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to trust that God can do good things for you and in your life. I'm going to trust that God is faithful. The Bible mentions God being faithful almost 150 times. Do you think he wants us to have faith in him? Absolutely. Hey, he continues to remind us, I do good things. I do good things. I do good things. I am good. I am faithful. For the men he saved and the men he prayed for, his faith was huge. To him, his faith was not huge. Help me get one more. Help me get one more. But to the many saved, it was tremendous. Our faith can often depend on the faith of others. We've got to connect with each other. Like all of those mentioned in Hebrews, they didn't see what their faith accomplished, but they believed. You might not see that friend come to Christ immediately, but trust that you planted the seed. Hopefully they believe in how much you believe. Finally, we're going to tell another story. This one, again, from Matthew. And I'm going to try to shift your thinking on this a little bit. Now, I'm just a substitute teacher today. So if I'm wrong, Pastor Roth can fix it when he gets back. Okay? 
But in Matthew, we're going to talk about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. We're going to start kind of halfway through here. He says, um, when evening came, he was there alone. This is Jesus. He had sent everyone else by boat, and by the time the boat was long away from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Jesus showing that he can walk on the water. Now, as he approaches the boat, they see him, the disciples see him on the sea, and they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Are there people in your life who you've known for around three years who you could tell their silhouette from quite a distance away? I think so, okay? There's those people in my life, uh, somebody I spend every day with, okay? I could probably pick up their silhouette. Or if they had red hair, that also helps. <laughs> hey, honey. <laughs> um, but Jesus spoke to them, saying... Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him. Peter was ready to go. Peter was ready to go. Lord, if it is you, command me to go out on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and came to Jesus. Now again, they're not recognizing Jesus from a distance. So he's quite a ways away, I'd say. Maybe at least the length of this aisle. But it says this, Come, so Peter got out of the boat, and walked on water, and came to Jesus. I think the part we forget a lot is that he did it. He walked on the water. It says he came to Jesus. It doesn't say he took a step out of the boat and he fell in. The story on the boat that night was not, hey, did you guys watch Peter fall in the boat or fall in the water? That was hilarious, okay? No, the story was Peter walked on the water and I believe he walked some distance towards Jesus. He walked some distance. It was not a couple steps. He walked to Jesus, and he did it. Why? Because Jesus is about to tell us here he had a little faith. We forget this part. We forget that he stepped out of the boat, and he actually took steps. I think a lot of times we think, yeah, he like stepped and then fell, okay? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying, we'll pause there for a second. Again, he got to Jesus. He got there. He wasn't just standing there. He walked to Jesus. He got there. He accomplished the goal with a little faith because Jesus was able to grab him. And Jesus says this, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I think we often view this as a reprimand of Peter. 
you of little faith, why would you doubt? But what do we know about a little faith? Nothing's impossible with little faith. What got in the way was when Peter started to doubt. Peter knew it was possible. He was watching Jesus do it. And he had the faith to do it. He stepped out and with a little faith, he did it. He walked. Jesus is saying, look, look at your little faith. Look what you were able to do. Now next time, don't doubt. What if in this moment, Jesus is a father teaching his little boy how to ride a bike? And that little boy starts to ride to him. He starts to pedal. And as he gets to his father, he falls over. He sees the other stuff and he falls over. What do we know about God? We know he's a good, good father. And what does a good, good father do in that scenario? He bends down and says, you did it. You did it. Now next time, don't doubt. Because look what you were able to do with just a little bit. Next time, don't doubt. And you can go farther. I believe in this instance, Jesus is setting Peter up to go further. Peter was said to be the rock of the church. That's what Jesus told him. This is Jesus saying, next time, don't doubt. And Peter writes later in the New Testament and teaches on faith. Why? Because he went through this trial. He saw what he could do with a little faith and was encouraged not to doubt. Peter would go on to proclaim the good news and preaching about the very topic of faith. He was told to keep going. Just like, uh, let's get the video up, please. Just like this little kid who is able to ride his bike and he's ready to tell the good news because he was finally able to ride his bike. Deal. So what's wrong with a multimedia presentation? Sometimes I don't set the multimedia up right. This is, we do have faith, Pat. Yes, good. Just a little bit. I'll go on while, it, while we wait. Like I said before, faith is not just personal. We need to have faith and we need to learn through our faith so that we can connect with others. So they, they can see our little faith walking across the sea. So they can see what we believe in. Our faith, however small it may seem, can be a large tree for someone else. Especially as we grow in our faith together, it gets bigger and bigger. For the coworker who half jokingly asked for prayer, it's important that in that moment we say, Yes, let's pray right now. Because that shows that we believe, that shows that we trust that we have faith and they can see that and we're planting a seed. We need faith to build ourselves up, to build others up, 
and let the world see what God has done, is doing, and will do in all of our lives. Again, we're going to show you this clip. And I believe Peter was being prepared to be this little boy. Go ahead. One second, okay. We practiced this. We did, yes. It's worth it, I promise. Have faith, yes. Thank you, Bert. What do you got? Any words of wisdom? What about for all the other kids trying to learn how to ride a bike? Sorry. Thank you. Awesome. I feel, I feel. Do you feel alive? I feel, I feel, I feel happy of myself. I feel happy of yourself too. What do you got, any words of wisdom? Pause. What about for all the other kids trying to learn how to You think God wants us to feel happy of ourselves? <laughs> do you think God wanted to look at Peter and say, how you feeling? And Peter looks at him and says, I'm happy of myself. <laughs> Look what I just did. Look what I just did, Dad. Aren't you proud of me? And I believe in that moment Jesus was proud of him and then gave some instruction. Go ahead. Your bike. Can you say anything to them? Everybody, I know you can believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, you will know how to ride a bike. If you don't, you just keep practicing. You will get the hang of it, I know it. If you, if you keep practicing, you will get the hang of it. And then you can get better and better at it as you get, as you do it. Give me some thumbs up. Thumbs up, everybody. All right. For rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll. He was able to do it. He showed faith, he rode his bike, and then he was ready to tell the good news. He was ready to say, if you don't know how to ride a bike, you can do it. If you don't feel like you have faith, you can do it. You can do anything, okay? I imagine Peter in his travels, thumbs up and rock and roll, okay? <laughs> he was ready. He was ready to go after that. His faith was increased. So again, I'm going to finish with this. We need faith. We need less doubt. We need faith to build ourselves up, to build others up, to show love in our faith, and to let the world see what God has done we talked about that. It's important what God has done connects to what he's doing right now. We need to show them the good things God is doing right now and not doubt. And then connect those to the future promises of God with those others that will have faith after us. Let us be those exemplary examples of faith. Let us be the idea of faith in people's minds. And even though we might not see the promises they are coming.
Thank you. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. And in the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out and yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name yes i will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. I guess maybe I need to take away some of my excuses. God's not disappointed in who I am. I keep on thinking, if I could just be better in this way, if I could just do this, if I hadn't failed there, God could do so much more in me. And he's looking at you saying, that was a great job. Keep going. Try again. You're getting better all the time. God is faithful. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, but I know God is faithful, and I will continue to believe, and I will continue to work on my self-doubt, and I will choose to believe. Yes, I will. I will choose to believe. Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father. I choose to believe in you. Father, I choose to have faith in you. Forgive me of my doubt. And let me follow you all my days. Amen. Father, we just thank you again for this house and for the people who are faithful to you with their service, and with their love. And Lord, we just ask this morning that we would walk out of here with an attitude that says, yes, I will. I will believe. I will walk on in every circumstance. I will trust in you, O oh God. And though I have my doubts, I will return again and I will believe. You will do it again and you are for me. You are with me. Bless this house, bless these people as we go this day, O oh God. And let your kingdom come and your will be done in each heart and each life. We thank you, Lord. Amen. You are dismissed.